Hello and welcome to the relaunch of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Delapena, and I say relaunch because for those of you who may not remember, about eight years ago we tried to do a cricket podcast, the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, and it only got a couple episodes in before other things started to take more attention, but... There's a lot happening in U.S. cricket. There's a lot happening in world cricket nowadays. And a lot of that stuff that's happening deserves to be highlighted, especially within the context of U.S. cricket. And I thought, what better time to relaunch that initiative that first began eight years ago. Getting to hear from some of the voices, some of the characters, some of the names who are involved in the American cricket landscape. There's so many great stories out there that people would love to hear and love to appreciate if only they knew some of these stories existed. And there's no shortage of characters in American cricket for anybody who's experienced U.S. cricket, whether at a local level, a regional level, a national level, an international level. There's some amazing people, amazing stories, just a whole lot of rich history, both recent and a bit further out into the past, that makes up so much of the special place that U.S. cricket holds in the cricket ecosystem. And those people deserve to have a platform to tell their stories. And I know there's some great people out there who are doing fantastic work, doing some podcasts to also shed some light on U.S. cricket and associate cricket in general. And I take inspiration from those people who have done so much tremendous work to get the word out about associate cricket and American cricket in general. My friends over at the Emerging Cricket Podcast, first and foremost, with Tim Cutler, Daniel Beswick, Nick Skinner, and also Nate Hayes for some of the podcast work he's done as well from the American cricket perspective and giving a voice to people out in the world for what's going on in U.S. cricket. And now I'm jumping back into the fray as well, trying to get some other stories out there, mainly from a historical standpoint. I'm hoping to focus a lot on reaching out to some of the characters and some of the people who've dotted U.S. cricket history, not just in, again, in the recent past, but people who have contributed to American cricket whose names might be not necessarily forgotten, but they're receding further into the back of the minds of people who are paying attention to cricket and maybe those people aren't appreciated as much as they were in their heyday, but they still have a tremendous role and presence in American cricket and not just U.S. cricket, but U.S. cricket opponents, U.S. cricket rivalries, U.S. cricket tours. Just there's so many people that have touched U.S. cricket And that's not just limited to people in the U.S. There's so many great rivalries that USA has had over the years, especially with matches taking against and in Nepal, tours of the UAE, Audi Cup tours to Canada, and all over the rest of the world. And hopefully we'll get a chance to have some of those people who have encountered U.S. cricket from the opposition side also be part of the Stars and Stripes cricket podcast down the road. But first... We're going to kick off the relaunch of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast with somebody who I feel is a very significant person in American cricket history for a couple of reasons. He is presently 
the selection chairman for the USA Under-19 squad. But prior to being a selector, this man was the first USA Under-19 graduate to represent USA at the men's level. He is the first USA Under-19 player to score a century in ICC tournament play in 2001. And he's also one of the few American-born players to represent USA. And in fact, he broke a 23-year streak between debuts in one-day cricket for players who had been American-born to represent USA. And that goes to highlight the trajectory that U.S. cricket has taken over the years, where for so long it has been an immigrant-based sport. A lot of expats who have made up the bulk of the representation in the USA national team. But I think Amir Afsaluddin, who was the guest today, is somebody who can serve as a bit of an inspiration to players who are coming up through the junior pathways now because he was a groundbreaker of sorts. He was a pioneer in being that he broke a 23-year streak between debuts of players who were American-born, got into the national team, and he was the first USA Under-19 graduate to get into the men's national team, going from the Under-19 team in 2001 to make his official USA men's debut in 2002 with the ICC Americas Championship. And it just goes to show other kids out there around the country that even though historically USA national teams have been comprised mainly of players who have been professionals overseas and are expatriates in the USA, there is still an opportunity for American-born players, American-developed players, and an opportunity for them to get into the national team. And there's no greater proof of that than Amir Absoludin. So He's got a very fascinating backstory from how he got into cricket after being born in Chicago, spent some time overseas in India where he represented Hyderabad in underage cricket, but then he returned to the U.S. to play the bulk of his development cricket in America, and he's got a very fascinating journey from there beyond touring with USA multiple times, including a very, very, well, I didn't tell the story about his time touring with USA in the 2004 Champions Trophy in England, the highest tournament play that USA cricket ever achieved in terms of ICC events taking on Australia and New Zealand in 2004. But he's got an awful lot to tell about that and an awful lot to tell about some other parts of his cricket journey to take him where he is today as the USA Under-19 selection chair. So without further ado, here is the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, episode number one with our guest, Amir Afsaluddin. Welcome everybody to the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'm Peter Delapena, and today our guest is the first USA Under-19 graduate to play for the men's national team. A very, very big honor, a very special place in American cricket history. Amir Afsaluddin, welcome. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you. I, you know, like, thank you so much. I did not know I was the first Under-19 cricketer to graduate on to play for the senior team. So thank you for uh, letting me know, you know, you made my day. I'm excited. You know, like it's, it's like, it's been so many years, but it's so happy to know that I was the first one to make it. Well, not just that, there's, there's another special distinction 
few holes in American cricket history. There was the first one-day squad that played in the ICC Trophy in 1979 in England, the former name of the World Cup qualifier, and John Reed, who was part of that team. Great man, lives out in Southern California now, uh, having fun with Golden Oldies cricket, but he was the first American-born player in one-day cricket to play for USA in that squad in 1979. And then there was a 23-year gap before there was another American-born player to make a debut for the men's team, and that's you. Wow. Wow. Yep. I've, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've heard of John Reed. I've spoken to him maybe on Facebook a couple of times. So I might have to call him and say hello to tell him that I broke your record. And, you know, <laughs> after 23 years, no, that's good to know. That's fabulous. You know, like, uh, I'm, I'm so glad, you know, like, I, I don't want to say that, you know, um, I don't think we have our history, uh, you know, like our bookkeeping done um, uh, really well, but you're, you're doing a great job, you know, trying to get all this history out and stuff and good luck to you and you're making my day you know like especially when you told me i was the first cricket house i'm so excited so excited and at first yeah first junior cricketer first under 19 cricketer to go on and play for the men's team and you play a big role in junior cricket now as the current head of the usa under 19 selection panel so you've just come back from texas recently saw you in texas evaluating yeah. the under 19 talent there uh just just um i guess to start off with what were your general thoughts on the standard of talent that you saw in texas well you know i i first want to say you know like i want to thank uh, us cricket the tournament was done uh, flawlessly you know you were there you know we've uh, we, there was good testing done there was a bubble which was maintained you know i was uh, really, really impressed. But the talent, it's it's such, uh, it's so good to see there's so much talent in the under-19s. And, you know, I, and I think this is the best time to play cricket in America, I think, with so much happening. Uh, uh, barring the pandemic where we didn't play uh, enough cricket, I guess, in the last year or so. But generally, you know, just in terms of the structure and stuff. But the talent was amazing. It's so good to see. They, you know, young cricketers, you know, when they show up, they just seem ready now, ready these days. You know, they just you know, take on and, you know, showcase their talent and stuff. And uh, I was very, very happy and satisfied with the talent I saw in Houston. It was fabulous. Fabulous. Well, let's uh, let's go back a bit. Now, you were born in Chicago, but you played a chunk of your developmental cricket in Hyderabad yeah. before, before representing USA Under-19 and representing the men's team. So tell us a bit about your background. Um, how did you get from Chicago to Hyderabad, and then how did you make your way back to the USA? So yeah, you know, it's a it's a story of parents, I I guess, you know. So my father, you know, like my parents were living in Chicago, and I was the first grandchild in my family on my father's side. Uh, so what happened was my grandma came to America and we, she dragged us uh, and uh, back, you know, like my father, my mother and, you know, uh, me to India saying, you know what, I want my grandson to live with me in India. So that's how the move happened. It happened around um, 85, 86. I was born in 83. So when I was three and a half or four years old, you know, that's when I moved uh, to India. And then I uh, picked up cricket and I started playing cricket. I, I played for my state, you know, uh, state there in Interestingly, you know, I played with uh, a former U.S. captain, Ibrahim Khalil, and me played our under-16s together. 
So uh, with uh, some of the big names like Ambati Raidu, you know, so we were in that group in under 16. And uh, I was also uh, I was also giving my board exams for my 10th grade. And when I started my first year in college after my 10th grade, I only went to school for about four to five days because I was playing cricket. So my father, my father saw that and he said, listen, you know, like he said, OK, I'm going to pack you off to America where there's no cricket. And, you know, <laughs> and I packed my bags, came back, you know, came back to America, uh, used to stay with an uncle of mine. And, you know, within a year, I somehow found cricket and I was back at it. So it's so amazing that I left India to get away from cricket in, in not in a bad way. Or whatever. My father was just looking out for me and my education, I guess. And then I came here and I found cricket, you know, like, so it was so amazing. And uh, I, I must say, yeah, you know, I was playing uh, club cricket somewhere. And I, I'm sure you guys know who Masood Chik is, you know, he was the former selector. So who who doesn't who, know who yes, yes. He saw me. He saw me playing uh, through a cousin of mine, you know, in Chicago. A cousin of mine called Essen. You know, he picked me up uh, from Michigan, drove me all the way to Chicago just to play a game, because I was a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid from Hyderabad who played state cricket there. So I was playing there. Masood Chick. He saw me. He liked me, and he just threw me in the trials. And I'm like, okay, you know what is going on right here? And my life changed overnight, you know. And I, I was picked. But there was another, there was another, you know, I, I was picked, but uh, we were supposed to go to, I think it was Bermuda, if I remember correctly, you know, where I went uh, I uh, uh, to play the America's Cup. I wasn't going. I was going to India to attend a cousin's wedding. So Masood Chik called, you know, he phoned me and then he got my uh, dad's number and said, you know, do you realize what this is? And, you know, this is, you, you know, USA cricket and, you know, such a big one. And Masood Chik forced me to go to Bermuda. Uh, I was I wasn't gonna go even after being selected. So that's how it all happened. So this this is a um, kind of a, a recurring theme I've I've encountered over the years with a number of players uh, who uh, who've lived overseas or spent time overseas, and then uh, they come to the U.S. under the mistaken belief that there's no cricket or there <laughs> won't be any cricket anywhere. Yeah, somehow, somehow cricket finds them, uh, and it happened in your case. So back in that time frame, 99, 2000, 2001, when, when did you first uh, come back? 99, 2000? I came back in 99. So, you know, and then 2000 when when I started playing cricket here again. And things happened pretty quickly after that. You know, I was picked up, like I, I told you, and I went to Chicago. Chicago was probably the biggest center in the Midwest, and it still is for cricket. So a lot of cricket used to happen in Chicago. And uh, so, yeah, early 2000, I was still in high school, you know, like I was in 11th grade, actually, you know, of high school and stuff. And uh, just start playing cricket. And there was a huge void, which, you know, which, you know, I filled up with not playing cricket in a year and stuff. So it was, you know, cricket is sort of like my uh, stress buster and the relief and stuff like that. But I, I didn't realize I was going to play for the U.S. And I didn't realize that. You know, one trial and a, a game, then a trial would put me in an under-19 U.S. cricket team. From there, you know, to the senior team, Shell Creek Academy, you know, it just things kept happening until, of course, you know, like education is very important. I come from an Indian, you know, Indian background, Indian family. So I had to finish my education. And the precursor to that was uh, 2004 Champions Trophy in England. I... I was part of the Six Nations Cup and I was part of all the prep camps and stuff like that. And, you know, last minute, uh, 
there was a replacement that happened and I got replaced with someone who hadn't played a lot of cricket in the US or something. So that was sort of like, that reminded me that, you know what, I came to US for my education. And, you know, that's when I sort of like started off easing off a little bit from cricket and then focused on my education. And, you know, like, and so I started with a bang and ended with a bang. You know, that's what I can tell you. <laughs> in that time frame, uh, in that 99, 2000, 2001 time frame, you made your debut with the, the 2001 ICC Americas tournament. Um, and in that era, I mean, that was essentially the first under-19 team, uh, as far as I'm aware, that, that participated in an under-19 World Cup qualifier for uh, the USA and the ICC Americas region. Uh, I, I can remember my first tournament covering the under-19s was 2009. And then in 2011, uh, Cameron Mirza scored a century for USA. And I typed out in my recording at the time, Cameron Mercer creates history of the first American to score a century for a USA on an IC team. And then out of nowhere, I was bombarded by these messages saying, what the hell is wrong with you? You don't know anything. Johnny come lately. You know, don't you know about Amir? He scored a century for USA. What's wrong with you? How could you disrespect him? And like, yeah, the record keeping, the history is, is poor. So yeah. I just, didn't know I had researched some of the records. I knew about the, the 2006 team that went to the under-19 World Cup in Sri Lanka. And I could find some stuff about 2003 before that. But the record-keeping going back to 2001 wasn't great. So I didn't even know there was a, t a 2001 team at that point in time that had participated. Um, and, and just in general, I'm not sure how many people would have been aware of the existence since that was the very first team that you participated in. So in that kind of era of U.S. cricket and being the first kind of newly formed under-19 team, what was the level of competition like to get into the team in terms of trials? Um, you know, was there even an under-19 tournament? You know, you just came from Texas where there was an under-19 tournament. Did they even have a tournament? Was it just strictly trials by invitation? Um, give us a sense of, of what the, the kind of atmosphere and the climate was in terms of junior cricket development and how you got to be in that uh, – sphere of of making the under 19 team absolutely so you know what what i remember is you know like i you know like one of the selectors you know he happened to be where i was you know i was playing a cricket game and then there was trials in chicago so we had a chicago trial with a lot of you know youngsters from chicago where i had to go and you know display my skills and stuff like that i don't remember there being a under 19 tournament uh, back in the day uh, for uh, for selecting a squad and stuff like that. But I do remember there were like trial games and stuff like that between multiple young kids they found, you know, like basically a lot of the kids used to be from the New York area back in the day. So that's where New York was the center of uh, cricket for America back in the day. Now, you know, we have big centers like California, Houston, New York, you know, and, you know, even Chicago, Michigan, you know, like we have like about 60, 70 teams in every big city of America generally now. But yeah, back then, you know, it was basically New York. A lot of these kids were from New York, you know, I remember. Um, and we played a couple of games against each other. You know, I think there was about 25, 26 people. And then a squad was selected and we went to Bermuda. But what used to happen was there used to be a lot of non-ICC tours as well. Like, you know, going and playing against Antigua or, you know, maybe same kids and something like that. Or, you know, or going to Pakistan or, you know, going, you know, going to a European country, which were not really official, official ICC games. But there was still, I guess, under the banner of U.S. cricket, I guess. Uh, so a lot of those games used to happen as well. 
And then every two years or every a year, every year and a half, there used to be an ICC tournament leading up to the World Cup, of course, right? So we went to Bermuda. The the standard of cricket, uh, I mean, we were one of the weaker weaker teams back then. You know, like uh, well, I, the, the scorecard, the scorecard that you scored a century, you guys lost to Argentina. With, <laughs> you you talk to kids now, and the USA beaten Argentina in a, I don't know how many years in a row, and, and it would be unfathomable yeah. for somebody now to think, oh my God, USA just lost to Argentina in under 19 cricket or men's cricket too, for that matter. And you, yeah. despite scoring a century, now you scored 111 not out off of uh, 77 balls. Yeah. But the team total was, I believe, 170 for seven yeah. in a 32 over uh, reduced match due to rain, and Argentina beat you guys. They beat us. Yep. 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 That was, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right on. You know, I, I uh, you know, like you've got to, you have to become, a, well, you are an invest, investigator, you know, like sort of, right? You know, you're a journalist, but no, you're right on. 77 balls, 111 runs, 170 plus score. We still lost. We still lost because, you know, we, we're a young team. You know, that's all I can say. We were a young team. We lacked the fielding skills. We didn't have, uh, uh, decent enough you know we didn't have exposure that's you know let me let me put it put it that way you know and it was a group of cricketers who came together but we were there I personally had a good a great tour you know like I think I was uh, I got selected for Shell Cricket Academy after that tour but uh, in terms of the team we didn't do really well and that was sort of uh, that was a bummer but uh, it gave you know like it was an experience like unlike anything I've had in India or anywhere else playing an ICC that was my first ICC tournament and it was a big deal. Uh, I wish, you know, in hindsight, whether we could do anything different. No, you know, it's all experience. You know, I take it how it comes and stuff like that. It was a beautiful tour. Met uh, met a lot of friends and the coaching staff and stuff like that. And, you know, it was good. But yeah, from a skill level, we were far behind uh, Canada and we were far behind even Argentina for that matter. And the other two teams, I think Bermuda and uh, Cayman Islands, if I'm not wrong, Cayman Islands, Bermuda, and there was another Belize or Honduras, you know, like I think we were pretty much at the same level as the other three teams, but Argentina and Canada clearly had a edge over us during those days, meaning for under 19, not for the seniors though. Yeah. Yeah. So having had that development exposure in Hyderabad first, playing for the underage Hyderabad uh, team. You said you were a teammate with Ibrahim Khalil. So you were playing a fairly high standard of cricket, and I would imagine most of that, if not all of that, would have been on turf wickets. Coming from that to the U.S. setup, especially in the Chicago area, uh, no turf wickets, at least at that point in time. Um, and the guys in New York, if there's a big chunk of players who are from New York, again, no turf wickets. Uh, that has been a historic issue in U.S. cricket development, just the lack of exposure to turf wicket facilities, well-maintained outfields. How much of that do you think impacted the ability of the squad to perform, especially in the context of the fact that you performed as as well as you did as, as a leading scorer on tour with the experience that you had on turf wickets uh, developmentally in, in Hyderabad? Yeah, you know, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, the turf wicket was uh, definitely new for a lot of cricketers. You know, like uh, I remember most of us uh, didn't even have spikes, you know, uh, mo- because we, you know, like we just didn't know. I didn't know I was going to Bermuda to play on a turf wicket. I did not know that, you know. So I, I, I just I had to survive on rubber spikes, you know, the whole tour. And so did many others. Uh, but it did it did make a lot of difference. You know, what happened was in Hyderabad, uh, when we played state cricket, that was tough. But, you know, mainly every other cricket was jute matting. 
And when I showed up to America, it was pretty much, you know, rolling and then jute matting in America as well. The AstroTurf came in later, I guess, you know, it came in, you know, in the early 2000s or whatever. Mm. But uh, I think uh, if I remember and I, uh, it was, uh, we were used to playing on cement wickets a lot here in America back in the day, you know, during those days. But yes, it it impacted our cricketers a lot. You know, we uh, got injuries and uh, people slipped up, you know, we couldn't run the way we wanted to. So it was, it was definitely a brand new experience for a lot of cricketers but yes you know i think i had a i had an edge in that regards although it had been a year and a half or something like that since i showed up that i knew or i had a prior experience to playing on turf which really came in handy but compared to now like if you look now you know you know we have the best facilities you know thanks to ace and you know us cricket and houston and all these other private you know turf fields and stuff there's a lot of exposure a lot of fields and that's why I say, you know, it's probably the best time to play cricket, you know, in uh, America. You know, this is this is it. You know, it's uh, there's a lot happening. Of course, you know, barring bar, again, barring the pandemic, you know, the pandemic has been a sort of like a thorn in our, you know, uh, plans and stuff like that. But uh, yes, turf wickets really matter. They do. The experience matters. Even even the field, you know, even the field. We were not used to playing on a field, you know, like a golf green. You know, like when I was playing, even from India, actually, when I came from India, you know, we didn't have the uh, fields like they had in Argentina or Bermuda, like true cricket fields, way too quick, you know, like you would really have to adapt. And, you know, it's different fielding uh, on a proper cricketing uh, cricket field and stuff. And I'm guessing that's why I got more uh, uh, more runs than (laughs) I usually did in Chicago, in Chicago or Michigan. I'm convinced, you know, the only times I'm scoring big runs in, is in July or August when the sun burns the grass and my ball's traveling, you know, you know, so yeah, turf wickets really matter. And I think we're on the right track now in terms of, you know, like exposure to turf wickets in the proper fields for cricketers. If there is one thing that you had to pick out that is the biggest part of uh, U.S. cricket transformation from 2001 when you played in that first tournament, to 2021 would it be the uh growth and and development of of more turf wicket facilities and and those kind of well-maintained outfields to have a tournament like was in texas uh last month or is there something else that you would pick out that's been a a significant transformational aspect of junior cricket in particular u.s junior cricket as an under 19 uh, head head selector um that you think has um, really allowed the junior development pathway to mature and evolve from the time that you um, represented USA Junior level? Yeah, the first thing, the first thing is, you know, I think, you know, a big shout out goes to the parents, you know, and uh, and uh, the academies and, you know, like people who have enabled cricket. So when I played cricket, uh, 99%, you know, we had one or two cricketers who actually grew up in America and played cricket in America, but 99% of the under 19 cricketers were people like me who migrated back to their home country at the age of 16 or, you know, something like that. So we didn't have a lot of in-house or, you know, we didn't have a lot of American, American cricketers growing up in America. So now if you see most of our cricketers, especially at the national tournament where you and me were, they were all born, bred, brought up in America. You know, they're playing cricket like, you know, we do in a test playing nation these days, you know. Uh, that's how, and so I think a big shout out goes to all the enablers of cricket. I guess you know cricket uh, survived because of the parents and you know it, cricket coaching, 
sending kids to training and stuff, you know, is not an easy thing. It's quite expensive as well, I guess, you know, with all the gear and stuff like that, you know, I just relate back to me growing up, you know, and kids have like the best gear uh, you can have and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. I agree with you, you know, in terms of cricket, I mean, cricketers, US born cricketers being around is a big deal. And also the facilities and also, you know, like the exposure to cricket and the tournaments, even the private tournaments for that matter, which happened, I think they, they, they bring a lot of cricketers together and stuff like that. And I think what's also helping is uh, a lot of international cricket teams and CPL coming to America and stuff, you know, like where, you know, like you get to see the big crowds and stuff like that, and you get to see your idols playing cricket. So, but again, I think uh, cricket is uh, all because of the cricketers and uh, under 19, especially the one difference I see and which I'm happy about is the homegrown talent, which, you know, which is playing cricket today is probably, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's probably the highest. And I think, you know, I don't want to claim anything, but I think we're uh, in North America. I think we have more young cricketers than any other North American or South American country. I, you know, you're the expert, you're the, you're the journalist, but you know, you got to correct me on that. But I think, I think, you know, we have a, you know, a decent amount of uh, domestic cricket that happens all, all across America now, which is, amazing so shout out to all the coaches academies parents you know like that's i think without them there's no cricket right so well i know in, in terms of yeah just just uh raw participation numbers and some of these numbers it, it, again it's a very tricky thing to kind of um evaluate because some of the data isn't reported accurately and, and a lot of it is is incumbent upon the leagues and administrators themselves to self-report accurately. You don't have a, uh, necessarily a outside external uh, surveyor who's who's documenting these things. But, but if you go by kind of the anecdotal evidence that's there in terms of where cricket is being played, yeah, then, then U.S. cricket in, in terms of North America the Americas, um, you know, it's it's at least amongst the associate. Yeah, uh, there's significantly more players at uh, just uh, in terms of just by raw volume, sheer volume than there is anywhere else. And it's um, but it's taken obviously the time to yeah. to get to the point to justify the uh, or or to the maturation process in terms of the results results to equate to the actual just numbers in the playing pool um you know where yeah everybody points to the example of india well india's got a billion people and well they should theoretically they should always be ranked number one because they got the most players to draw from at every level well not you know if if the structures aren't, aren't in place and the structures are better organized in, in the country like australia with sheffield shield or in the west indies back in the 70s and 80s or in england whatever if the structures are better it doesn't matter how many players you have uh, if it's organized better or, or the talent pathways and the talent evaluation is done in, in a more efficient manner, uh, it, it's not necessarily just a sheer numbers game. So even though the numbers were there historically for USA, you ran into situations like yourself where Argentina, despite only having, I think Argentina, their, their um, amateur and, and kind of community playing pool, I don't think it's ever eclipsed a thousand people. It's no. all it's all heavily, uh, uh, but it's all heavily focused in in the Buenos Aires area. So, and they yep. got and the key thing again, what you brought up, um, they've got some magnificent 
turf wicket facilities they do. They do. in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, which can narrow that gap and eliminate that gap, essentially, in terms of development. If, you've got, if you only have maybe 800 or 1,000 players to choose from, but they're all playing on natural turf, you could have 50,000 players in the USA, and if they're all playing on artificial, they're not being developed properly, then that, that can happen, like you experienced. Argentina beats USA. Um, so it's, it's, it's taken some time, but hopefully, like you said, uh, the fact that there are the facilities like everybody experienced in Texas a couple weeks ago, um, that will become standardized. And and there'll be less reliance and and just kind of a less less of a default mechanism to just lean back on whatever is the most convenient facility that's nearby and instead make the effort take the extra step to uh, funnel players towards not the most convenient but the best facilities and making that extra effort and and it it does obviously make make a huge difference. Um, so so for that's all your, your junior cricket going back to two thousand one men's yeah. cricket. You made you you talked about Toronto Antigua, but your official official debut uh, for USA came in 2002. Two, yep. You were part of the tour that was the ICC Americas. You made your debut against the Bahamas, officially yep. according to the scorecards. Um, and one of the other things I forgot to mention at the beginning, so. First under-19, USA under-19 graduate to play for the USA men. First player in 23 years that was American-born to play to make a debut for USA. Uh, John Reed played throughout the 80s. He made his debut in 79, but played throughout the 80s for the USA. But here's another one. You broke Neil Ashkari's record. Neil Ashkari was also a member of that 79 ICC trophy team and played for the USA at four ICC trophies, 79, 82, 86, and 1990. You broke... Neil Ashkari's record for the youngest player to make a debut at senior level for USA in, in one-day cricket. Neil Ashkari was was 20 years old. You were the first teenager, first 19-year-old. Oh wow! USA men's team. So there's another feather in your cap. You said it was you said it was a a a, a short career, but a, a memorable career in many yeah. ways. So what do you remember about that debut tour? I mean, it was it was amazing. We were going to. <laughs> It was in Argentina, right? 2002 America's Cup, right? It was at the Belgrano. Belgrano, Belgrano Club in Buenos Aires. You played at yep. the Belgrano, the Hurlingham, and the Lomas ground. But the, your debut was at the Belgrano, famous ground in Argentina. So, yeah. What was that so like? It was, it was uh, you know, going to Argentina, fabulous. You know, I had played for the U.S. before then. Like, like you said, you know, unofficially, not in the ICC tournament, but ICC America's tournament. That was my first U.S. tournament. Yeah. Uh, and it was just amazing. Just imagine a 19-year-old young kid going to Argentina. It was like, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm in Argentina. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't even worry about whether I'm playing or not playing or what's happening. I was just happy to be there. I was just happy to be there. I was like so excited, you know, um, looking at these fields and stuff and like what's going on. And you rightly said it. There are only six clubs in Argentina. I had a chat with, um, I can't remember his last name, but, you know, one of the national cricketers became a good friend of mine. His name was Lucas. So we, we both migrated from the under-19s in Bermuda into the Pat- senior team. Paterlini, Lucas Paterlini. Lucas Paterlini, yes, yes, that's yeah. him. So, you know, 
Uh, and um, they used to be uh, pretty, I mean, you know, like we had a communication gap and stuff, but I, you know, we still connected because, you know, we saw each other under 19s. So they just had like about six clubs in Argentina uh, back then. And they had an under 19 team and a national team come out of Argentina, Buenos Aires, to be precise, you know, back then. Uh, but no, it was a fabulous experience. It was uh, amazing. I was uh, rubbing shoulders with the big boys. I made some lifelong friends like uh, Steve Messiah. I call him Skip to this day. You know, I met him there. And uh, and there's others too. Uh, you know, like there was uh, Rohan Alexander, Richard Staple, you know, all the big boys. All the big boys were there. I, I was just... I was just, you know, enjoying my time, you know, like I was like, wow, Fawad Bakas, you know, Fawad Bakas was my uh, captain and coach at that tournament. And uh, he's played for five countries, if I'm not wrong, Fawad Baki. So, and, uh, you know, I don't know if I can say this, but, you know, like, yeah, of course, a 19 year old will, you know, will try and go out and look for a party here and there. So they put me up in a room with Fawad Bakas, who didn't do anything and didn't let me do anything. <laughs> so... <laughs> so you were a 19 year old on tour and they stuck you with the coaching captain who was 48 yep 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 tell me about it tell me about it i was i was like you know like what do i do how do i get around this guy you know i'm in argentina i'm in buenos aires you know but yeah for a while back you know back he was yeah but one day one day you know i think i can i can say this it's been a long time so i can say this so back he's like kiddo you know what Let's go out. You know, like, I, I'm going to take you out. So he was my chaperone. He took me around, around the streets of Argentina, you know, like, just to see, you know, what it was all about and stuff like that. But, no, it was a great tour. You know, like, I, um, again, you know, like, Steve Messiah, Zamin Amin, you know, Baki, uh, Rohan Alexander, you know, uh, these were just uh, Joy Zinto. Uh, these were some good people. They took care of me. They took care of me. They fed me food and, you know, they, you know, uh, bought me clothes and stuff in Argentina. They they took care of these guys took care of me. I was, you know, I was young and I was just there. You know what I'm saying? I was I was enjoying myself. Now, um, you, you said. Going back earlier, that was your debut tour, but you had a you had a short but uh, but memorable career. So you, when did when did you stop um, kind of? pursuing you said you talked about briefly you went into it a little bit i don't know if you want to go into it a little bit more but the experience of being in the squad with the six nations and then leading up to the champions trophy you, you thought you were going to go um and then at the last minute there were some things that happened unsurprisingly in u.s cricket these these things yeah. tend to happen political things that go on uh and you were dropped uh from the squad at the last minute um and i ironically i think one of the, the things that a lot of people remember from that that um tournament that kind of left a sour taste in some people's mouths especially from external observers was that they were the oldest team in the tournament going up yeah. against australia the world champions and new zealand um with i think nathan Assel blitzed a, 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 a incredible century against usa but you know the world champions australia at the time with gillespie and ponting and uh kasperovich and mcgraw and lee in that that area um just absolutely demolished USA and I think the criticism from a lot of people externally wasn't that they beat USA I don't think anybody was expecting USA to win even though heading into that tournament USA actually beat Zimbabwe in a warm-up match on we, the did, we did yeah um but the the issue was it wasn't that USA lost it was how they lost yeah. and losing with guys the oldest team in the tournament 
I think there were six players in that squad who were over the age of 40 who were picked in the squad. And so instead of having an eye for the future, um, with a player such as yourself, who, who was only 21 or 22 at that time, and you would have been the youngest player on the team along with Steve Messiah, um, you know, you were dropped on the eve of the tournament. And it's, that sent a bad message, I guess, to the U.S. cricket or, or, and to the world that, you know, guys in their 40s, not just one or two, but six guys in their 40s were being preferred over somebody like yourself who was a U.S. under-19 graduate, was, had been in the team for a year or two, an opportunity to showcase what U.S. cricket development was like at that time, and you got dropped. Um, just if you can, you know, what do you remember about that incident? And and um, just truthfully, you know, what impact did that have on your career in terms of wanting to stick with cricket versus, like you said, being a wake-up call to to kind of prioritize education or, or work uh, over and above cricket tours, which a lot of tours had to be funded by the players themselves and make sacrifices. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, absolutely. I was actually still with the team there. So they just, they made me the 16th player from the 15th player. And, you know, I was replaced by, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know the name. I, I don't want to take, an, uh, you know, any names and stuff like that. So I'm sure just, you know. But just to rub salt into the wound, they, 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 they didn't send you back home and say, hey, you can sit and watch and just kind of have just twist the knife a little bit more <laughs> no uh no i gotta give them credit no they so they said no you can come you can stay with us and stuff and you know it'll be a good experience and you know what i thoroughly enjoyed it and it was sort of like a closure you know what i'm saying and i did i did play a, a couple of warm-up uh, games and stuff there as well you know so we had a we had a nice tour and stuff but uh yes it was truly disappointing and i said you know if i can't get to play in the biggest event that we were you know looking forward to and I guess, you know, what's the point of playing, still playing? And that was sort of like a wake-up call, but it was a good wake-up call, you know, and it ended up brilliantly. I, After that, I started playing on my own terms. And, you know, there's a couple of U.S. In Invitation 11 teams which went out to India and, you know, other tours and stuff. We played a, a, a Indian first-class tournament called Moina Dulla. It was for the USA Invitation 11 in India. I got a 97 odd there and you know like when I got that 97 odd I hadn't retired retired you know I'm not officially I can probably still make a comeback if I want to not for the under 19s but you know like for the senior no I'm just joking but <laughs> I'm just joking no but uh I started playing on my own terms and I put my primary focus became education and I'm so glad I did that because I've got a wonderful life you know the almighty has blessed me with a wonderful family, wonderful life, a wonderful career. And guess what? I get to do cricket, uh, you know. Um, I get to help out with cricket wherever I can. So I think uh, it was destiny. It was meant to be. Uh, I met all my I met all my heroes, you know. Like I hung out with Adam Gilchrist, ate food with Matt, Matthew Hayden, you know, hung out with the Indian, you know, the Indian team there. So I, I had a, also played a couple, you know, like practice matches with like, Test cricket, uh, uh, test cricket nations, you know, uh, be it, albeit uh, Zimbabwe or Bangladesh, but I still got to rub my shoulders against them. So you know, it was, it was very difficult then. It was sort of like a bad breakup, you know, like uh, back then. And I said, okay, I'm not going to play cricket. But uh, six months later, I started, I picked up my bat again and I played again and stuff like that. But on my own terms, so you know, like I, I just played on my own terms and whenever I wanted to, whenever I could go. But before that, from 2000 until, like, say, 2004, uh, September, it was like cricket, I used to drop everything. You know, oh, I'm going to school. 
oh, it doesn't matter, you know, let me drop the semester. I can come back, I can pick it up in the next semester. So that was 2000 to 2004, but 2004 onwards, you know, I played for a year and a half, two years, mostly after that, you know, every now and then I just played on my own terms. And I said, you know what, I'm going to play when I want to play if they, you know, and stuff like that and focus, uh, diverted all my attention towards my education and my career, which I still, I still, you know, like when I mentor a lot of these kids who are now, they, they, they've played the senior team and now some of them are out of the senior team and stuff, but, you know, a lot of them will tell you every time I speak to them, my major focus is play cricket. If you have a backup in education, if you can run your own business, you know, in America, if you have your own business, your own shop to go back to, you know, you play cricket. But now with all these contracts and, you know, stuff coming in, MLC coming in, you know, it's probably cricket is going to be a truly professional sport now, meaning where people can make money, money, money and a livelihood from cricket. But back then there was no avenues. All of us uh, had to take time off from school or work or whatever that was to come play cricket, you know. But it was a beautiful experience nevertheless. Amazing. I, I enjoyed it. Having said all that, regardless of what ACE is introducing now in in the last year or two, if you were to give advice to a kid, one one of the players who's been picked for the under-19 squad, uh, for example, who may be just entering college or graduating senior year of high school, or maybe they just finished up their freshman year, whatever, if if they're having that internal battle, or uh, maybe it's it's not just internal on their own, maybe they're getting family pressure from the parents, putting emphasis on, you know, um, regardless of whatever you're doing cricket-wise, you got to graduate, you got to get a degree. Having gone through those battles yourself, um, and and uh, the experience of of what happened in 2004, and kind of that kind of um, you know wake-up call, if you will, almost in an existential sense, that the cricket's not forever. Uh, yep. There's other things in life. I mean, what 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 is your I guess recommendation or or first piece of advice that you do give to kids in that situation who may be currently in that frame of mind right now with the under-19 team? Yeah, you know, I, I would give uh, them the same advice I would give to my kid or my nephew or my young nephew. You know, education is really important. I know everyone's situation is different. You know, like we're all different financially. We're, we all are uh, fit in different brackets and stuff like that. A lot of people can afford to take a lot of time off. Some people can't. But I still think education is probably the most important thing you can have because, you know, it uh, it's a good backup. Uh, tool, you know, if your first and foremost passion fails, you know, you you should always have an education to go back on. So I would stress, you know, like kids, you know, focus on their education as well. And somehow, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. You can always make time out, uh, you know, like uh, with uh, for cricket and for education. For me, I mean, I looked, uh, uh, you know, I made fun of in my family, but I took six years to get done uh, my bachelor, my four-year bachelor's degree because of cricket. But I got it done, you know, so that was that was the most important part because I took some time off for cricket. But uh, education, again, you know, a true emphasis it doesn't matter, you know, if you need to need to go find a job or not. But I think education makes you a better, you know, like a more. Um, how do I say this? I don't want to say polished, but, you know, it makes you it gives you the confidence to go, you know survive in life and stuff like that you know it's a good achievement to have and stuff now if some young kids want to become crypto millionaires and billionaires you know that's even <laughs> better you know, if they want to do that but i think education is always you know it's always good to have an education plus uh the expat community or the indian pakistani sri lankan uh you know diaspora and you know majority you know pretty much everybody i think 
we're big on education anyway. So I think education should be as much a priority as cricket should be until unless, you know, you have a huge major league contract, CPL contract, minor league contract where you're playing cricket on a consistent level. So, you know, like education, having a, having a college degree and education will always give you confidence saying, okay, I'm, you know, it'll give you that flexibility saying, okay, I'm going to try my hand at cricket till 24. And then, you know, like if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go focus on my, you know, on my yeah. school again, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think education is pretty important. So. All right. I know we're running short on time, so I want to give you some rapid fire questions. Oh, first, snap. first 11, 11 questions. Okay. First 11, try and give me uh, the, the, the first thing that comes to your mind with, with these questions. Just going to try and have some fun with this. All right. Peter, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Re ready, ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. Here we go. All right. Your, your best roommate on tour, any cricket tour, U.S. or otherwise? Steve Messiah. Steve Messiah. Okay. The, the, the messiest roommate or the roommate who was the worst snorer that kept you up? Um, uh, Snoring, I probably did a lot of, but the messiest roommate, uh, Rudy Narayan, was my was the messiest roommate. I think. Sorry, Rudy, if I don't know where he is, but you know, like I think from what I remember. Rudy, Rudy was a messy guy, right? Uh, the teammate, U.S. cricket or otherwise, who's got the most fascinating job or fascinating lifestyle away from cricket or or since retiring from the U.S. team. Um. I don't know, honestly. Well, what about yourself? Tell people what you do. I am a, well, you know, like I'm a contractor for the Department of Defense. You know, I do a lot of government work and stuff like that. I have my own company, um, uh, my own consult consulting services company, but I did work with GM before this. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I'm a, you know, like a, a procurement guy, basically with a master with an MBA in finance so so you didn't just get your you didn't just take six years to get your bachelor's degree you went and got your MBA too yes yeah nice all right uh the nicest or the best cricket ground experience that you've had as a player and I'm not I don't just mean playing and the playing facility itself I mean the training I mean the lunches or the teas what was the best experience you had as a player? You know, um, Champions Trophy was something, you know, like on another level from the food to the field. We had liaison officers, you know, like back home when I come to the country, I was a busboy or a valet parker myself. But when I went there, I had a liaison officer taking care of me. So that was a fascinating tour. I, I mean, it was amazing. You, you would get the food you wanted. You know, like, it's so amazing. So, and, so of those grounds that you played at uh, are the, in England, okay. So, they, the U.S. team played at the Oval, and they played it at, down in Southampton at the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl yeah. Rose Bowl would be your, your number one. Rose Bowl, yes. Rose Bowl was just beautiful. It was brand new at, at that point, I guess. You know, pretty much it was fairly new, I think, you know, yeah. when we went there. So, it was beautiful. Just beautiful. Okay. Your... My favorite cricket field in, in the whole world is Woodley Park, Los Angeles, because we know we played a lot of cricket there. 
So that's a staple, a, a part of the fabric of the U.S. cricket community for sure. Okay. Your favorite place to eat out on tour? Um, well, in Houston, uh, if we went, you know, uh, well, tour meaning when I was playing cricket or tour when I'm or anything. When you're on the road, yeah. When you're traveling for cricket, what's your go-to place? Your 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 fallback that you you seek it out. What you know when you're in a certain city or anywhere else. A good steak, a good steak, but not in Argentina because I like my steak medium well or you know medium, but they were always rare in Argentina. It was all so yeah. They kept it nice and red and juicy in Argentina. Yes, yes, it was very red, very juicy, but you know I'm like I like it a little more cooked. All right, your favorite pizza topping. Ground beef. Ground beef on pizza. Yeah. All right. Are you a Coke or a Pepsi guy? I'm actually, I don't know if you know this. There's a cola called Thumbs Up. It's an Indian, Indian. Thumbs cola. Up. There's no B. Yeah. Thumbs Up. Thumbs Up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my all time favorite. You know, I, I always have like a couple in my fridge as well. It's an Indian cola. Yeah. Uh, they were bought out by Coca Cola. Uh, in India and stuff, but they still they're still around. That's my favorite cola. So technically speaking, we can put them in the Coca Cola category. I Coca-Cola think so, but, but much better than Coca Cola. Coca Cola, yeah, thumbs up. I won. Yeah. It's like almost it's almost like a, what would I characterize it as? It's almost like a Dr Pepper kind of equivalent in 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 India, maybe where it's kind of off the radar. It's not sold in a lot of places, but the people who who find Dr Pepper, they're they're loyalists. It's like yeah. they're their go to drink. Actually, thumbs up disappeared for a little bit, but due to uh, the huge demand, because it's a very Indian drink. It was a in, it, it was an Indian cola, and it came back. Yeah. Coke yeah. had to bring it back because they was lo- they were losing market share, I guess. So, thumbs up. You gotta try one. Yeah, I'm still okay. Uh, your favorite cricketer, all time cricketer. I have a couple. You know, like I I have. Oh, a you gotta pick one. One. Ah. Uh, Oh, I can't. You know, I'll, I'll say this: Brian Lara, Yuvraj Singh, Saurav Ganguly, Gary Kirsten. You know, these are my favorite. I, I'm a left-hander, so. But okay, my favorite is Yuvraj Singh. Yuvraj Singh. Yeah. Okay. All right, your favorite non-cricket athlete. Um, non. Um. Pete Sampras, when he was playing uh, uh, tennis uh, back in the day, I I used to love Pete Sampras, Jim Correa. I was a big tennis buff. And I, was, uh, I grew up playing tennis. That was my number one sport, along with ice hockey growing up. And uh, I was a Sampras guy. You were either Sampras or Agassi. Sampras. Uh, I had to go Sampras because he was he was, I was named after me. It's Pete Sampras, <laughs> Peter Delapena. How could I how, how could I be an Agassi guy? Yeah. Off his crazy antics when Pete Sampras was there. Pete Sampras so cool, so classy. He had the amazing serve, serving ball game at Wimbledon. But, but I have to tell you, I did put a earring on, uh, you know, after you know, like looking at Andre Agassi, you know, the you know the cross, you know, on my ear and stuff back in the day. Did you have a mullet too? Did you have a mullet with a headband? Uh, no, never did, never did. You know, but Pete Sampras would be my favorite athlete, non-cricket athlete. Yeah. Okay, your favorite movie. All it's, time in, movie. it's an Indian movie. I don't yeah, know. It's if okay. A movie's a movie. Okay, you've got to go watch it. You know, it's called Andaz Apna Apna. Andaz Apna Apna. Andaz Apna Apna. Yeah. All right. What's the translation? I know Apna is is like our 
Or there is no translation. There is no, <laughs> no translation. You gotta look at it. Who's, it's, uh, who's in it? Uh, so there's like a, uh, it's a movie with Salman Khan and Amir Khan in it. It's like a, com it's a comedy movie. It's, I think it's a cult classic in India. But Salman and just, Amir Khan, no SRK though. So they got two of the three Khans. Yeah, they ha they had two of the three Khans, but when they were fairly young, I guess you know this was back in the 90s. But uh, unbelievable movie. Okay, and what what is your favorite binge watch show, either on TV or on Netflix? Oh, that you've been Prison watching? Break. Prison Break, or you know, like I, I've seen Lost, but Prison Break is my all-time favorite. I can watch it anytime, whenever I have nothing to do. I watch Prison Break again. It's one of my favorite shows. I, I'm sure. Have you seen it, Prison, Prison Break? Break? I know it was a it was a Fox show. I remember that much. Yes, yes, I I love that show. Just love it. All right. That's the best 11. Best 11 from Amir al Saludin. That's a relief. That's a relief. And I, think, I, think I got I to gotta do a little correction. I think the messiest roommate was me, myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amir, for taking Absolutely. the time to come on today. Really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people, especially in the junior cricket community in the U.S., really appreciate your efforts. I know you were a senior selector as well, um, but being the selection chairman for for U.S. Under-19 heading into the World Cup qualifier, I know there's a lot of people who appreciate your efforts in being down there in Texas, this um, recent tournament, national championship. Final thought I'll give to you. Is, is there anything else you haven't said or you want to say that you feel people should know about you or, or about your role in U.S. cricket? Uh, no, I think you covered it. I, I just want to say that, you know, like, thank you for keeping me honest. You know, we've we've met on many tours and stuff, and you always do a fact check or, or for everything I say. And, you know, I really have to be on point when I'm talking to you. So that's always good. And um, thank you. Not a lot of people might know this, but, you know, I think uh, apart from the coaches, the most amount of cricket uh, a person watches in America is Peter Delapena, the U.S. cricket, you know, so... You always have good feedback for us, you know, and I really appreciate it. And uh, no, this was good. I'm honored. You know, you thought of uh, having me on the call and stuff, and uh, which is pretty nice. And I really appreciate it, Peter. So thank you. No, thank you, Amir, for coming on. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Our guest today, Amir Absolute in the USA Under-19 Selection Chair. Fantastic story of his journey through U.S. cricket, talking about tours to Argentina, tours to England, tours to Antigua, tours to Bermuda. He's been around a lot of different places to experience a lot of tremendous opportunities through American cricket. Hope you enjoyed our first episode of the relaunch of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, and stay tuned for... The next episode coming up next week when we'll have another fantastic guest. Until then, I'm Peter Dalapena. God bless America and God bless American cricket.